0: Well hey Heritage, I want to welcome all of you across our network. I want to say hi, good to see the Rock Island family here. I want to greet the Bendor family, jumping across the river, joining us now, as well as the Kiwani men tuning in and everybody online. It is so good for me to be back with you. It was really good to get away on vacation for a couple weeks, but it's good to be back. Every time I go, I, I miss my Heritage family and I miss the Quad Cities. And it's, yeah, it's true, and it's good to be back. Now, I actually came back to work about two weeks ago, but I have been investing in some things behind the scenes, some network realities, and I actually want to pause for a moment and just bring you up to speed on something. So yeah, as of Friday afternoon, as of Friday afternoon, we, the Heritage family, are the proud but humble owners of the former Kone building. Oh, man. Oh, man. What a day! But listen, that is, that is one expression of one bold move as we're seeking to love and serve our cities. And, and, and the journey towards living into that facility is going to be years. It's going to be years. And we're going to, we're going to move in at a pace we can sustain. But we're in a season now of proving faithful. See, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2, he said this, it's right up here only. He says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. This is a great verse that describes where we stand today and our role in God's kingdom work moving forward. We have been given a trust. And the acquisition of that building is just one milestone and one bold move towards the greater vision of seeking the welfare, the peace and prosperity of our cities. And it's an exciting thing, but I want to tell you again, we're going we're to incrementally move in, in ways that we can sustain, and it. it'll take years. It'll take years. And that's okay, especially with a bridge going up and a bridge going down. A lot of things are going to be happening down in that space. But as we lean into this next season of proving faithful in that, I want you to know that we're still receiving resources as God has laid on your heart to take part in that first phase of acquisition. Do that. We're going to be giving more information. But you need to understand the very first thing we're going to do in and around that space is pray for our cities. Very first thing. We're not going to do anything else until we do that. We're actually going to create some space outside for some some prayer path realities that will incrementally grow to encompass the entire facility outside as well as move inside to specific places inside. But we're going to be praying. And I want to invite you to continue to pray as we continue to take a posture of being faithful, of proving faithful to the trust that God has given us. And I can't wait to see what what happens next. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what God's going to do. Now, as I have been on vacation and taking some time to work through the network realities, I am so thrilled and grateful for a team that steps in the gap when I'm not around. I especially, yep. I especially want to thank pastors Josh, Justin and Jeremiah, Triple J's, for doing a great job and teaching in this last season. Didn't they do a great job? They really did. And and I love that we're a church that understands the value from hearing from more than one voice as well as creating space for people to grow in their ability to teach and lead. And and I'm just proud of those guys for how they led. And as excited as I am for what's ahead in our network, I'm just as excited for the opportunity to step into God's Word with you today. But I want to be upfront and honest with you. You see, just this past week, I had my annual physical. And as part of that annual physical, I received some inoculations and have had the unfortunate side effects of fever, (laughs) and flu-like symptoms. It's been awful. I haven't been able to sleep. I've had fever, in and out of fever for the last two days. It, it's it, uh, its almost like I've acquired the thing I was supposed to be inoculated against. It's like, wow, that works. Now, I'm not contagious, although my body is telling me that I have been contaminated by whatever they shoved in my arm. And, and, and to be quite honest, uh, I'm probably gonna need to refer to my notes a little bit more than normal. <laughs> I may even need to sit down a little bit, but because between the fever and the fatigue, I'm not thinking clearly. <laughs> I'm not 100% here or 100% uh, physically ready. So you may be in for a wild ride today. Uh, I just want you to know that that's kind of where I'm at. But man, I'm thrilled just to spend some time getting back into God's Word, and especially as we've been looking through the Walking with Giants series. God's been using that in pretty cool ways. But let me, let me start by getting you to think about something. Have you ever reached a point in your life where the, where the circumstances seemed insurmountable? Where where the choices, the mistakes that you've made, the dynamics of relationship around them are all pressing in and creating a vortex of stress and worry and and fear and regret. So much so that you end up believing that there's really no path forward. You ever been in a scenario like that in your journey of life? I, I have. Moments where it all seems just so insurmountable at some level. I think we can get there. But fundamentally, I think the reason that happens and even the way out comes from understanding a principle. And if you want to track and draw this, page two of your note guide gives you a block to do this, if you want to do that with me. But I'm kind of jumping ahead to share this with you. Because when, when God created us, He created us for a relationship with Him. The challenge is that sin, when sin entered the equation, it messed up our ability to have a relationship with God. Now immediately, when sin enters the equation, we can be led... To embrace a a posture of fear. We can end up in a place of fear. This goes all the way back to the garden. When when Adam and Eve sinned and they were aware of their nakedness, they were ashamed, they were afraid, and they hid. One of the outcomes of sin is fear. And and the reality of perfect love drives out fear. When sin is in the mix of that perfect love, it, it complicates it, it messes it up. And in that place of fear, it can lead us to a place that we get stuck in bondage. We get stuck. Fear leads us to a place of being stuck in bondage. And I realize that some of us here today are in the throes of this. You're struggling in the complexity of your world. It all feels insurmountable. Fear has gripped you and you're stuck in circumstances and dynamics that are rocking your world. But I want to offer you hope today because there is a way out. There's a way out of that. And the difference is, instead of choosing to embrace a posture of fear, we embrace a posture of faith. That in the complexity of the dynamics of life, even our own mistakes, our own regrets, the things that get complicated, instead of choosing fear in those dynamics, we choose faith. And the moment we choose to trust in faith, we surrender and yield, it actually moves us from a place of bondage to a place of freedom where we're in that dynamic, we're we're no longer stuck in that place of of fear and place of bondage, we actually step into a place of faith. And that faith is where we yield to God. We start to obey who He is. We step into a dynamic where He does a new thing in us. And the reality is that fear is not something, that it's not, we've not been given a spirit of fear. We've been in one of power and love and self-control. The bondage is broken when we step into a place of faith. Well, now we end up in another place. And my fever's taken my bee away, so I'm going to go back over here for just a second. The reality is, in the dynamic of what I'm talking about, the bondage that once held us becomes a place of brokenness. I'm writing that sloppy, but hang with me. Instead of being trapped in the bondage, we now enter a place of brokenness. It's a brokenness where the things of our past, the things we've done, that they become a place where faith begins to change that. And the brokenness of things that what was that God begins to redeem. And the reality is when we choose faith, we end up with a future. God provides a path forward, a future for us. And the brokenness that we once knew actually becomes a place of beauty. If you're struggling in a dynamic where you're just overwhelmed with circumstances and fear has gripped you, the way out is faith. God changes the bondage to a place of brokenness as we submit to Him and yield to Him. And then He takes that brokenness and reaches a place of beauty as He gives us a future. We're about done with our Hebrews 11 journey, our walking with giants journey. And we spent a a number of weeks walking through the realities of of what it means to live by faith. We looked at a number of giants of the faith to understand how they lived by faith so that we too can learn and to live by faith. And we looked at people like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Jacob and Joseph. And these are just regular guys doing not-so-regular things by faith. Faith was the game changer. And as, as Justin mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that authentic faith changes us. And that is absolutely true. It's absolutely true that authentic faith changes us. In fact, we could say that faith changes everything. Faith changes everything. This is your first feeling if you want to use your note guide today as we study the Word together. Faith changes Everything. Everything. And if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and click or turn with me to Hebrews 11. If you haven't been there before, if you find First and Second Timothy, you've got Titus and Philemon, you'll hit Hebrews. If you get to James, it's too far. We're in Hebrews chapter 11, and this has been our anchor passage for our entire Walking with Giants series. It has a list of giants of the faith, and we don't have to look very far to see that faith changes everything, and we look in their individual lives, because anytime a person's mentioned, it says, by faith, this happened. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Isaac. It's by faith. And that's a beautiful, even encouraging thing. But you got to understand, God wants you to be a giant of faith. He wants you to be a person of great faith. Not caught up in the surrounding circumstances of your life in the past or the dynamics of your present, but to live into the future He has for you, where He takes your brokenness and He turns it into beauty as He redeems it and restores it. To be a giant of faith, we're going to see today that to have giant-sized faith doesn't so much require perfection as it does requiring surrender. It, it requires trust expressed in faith. And again, the definition of faith, Hebrews 11 verse 1, of being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. So let's dig into this for a few moments. and. Because within the individual stories we've been looking at is God's greater story for his people. It's woven through all, each of their individual stories. And guys like like Joseph, he used Joseph to, to rescue the people of Israel and provide them a place to live in a famine in, in Egypt. Now they end up in slavery in Egypt, but then he sends Moses, who Jeremiah helped us look at last week, to understand how we can live out in freedom and, and how Moses led them out But due to a lack of faith, once they get to the place to go into the promised land, they don't go in, they wander for a whole generation, and then Joshua, as a new leader, comes in, and the new generation stands poised and ready to occupy the land that God promised to give them. So let's look at how the author of Hebrews accounts for this reality. So this is Hebrews 11, we're starting specifically with verse 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Okay, this is that moment coming out of Egypt, that rescue, the the escape. Then by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. So we have the account of the escape. We have the account of that beginning victory and conquering in the promised land. And and, and we're still seeing that, that faith changes everything. Under the leadership of Moses, under the leadership of Joshua... These are examples of God providing deliverance, making it available. But something to understand and keep in mind is the people had to make that deliverance their own by faith in action. God made it available, but people had to choose faith, not fear, to live into the future God had for them. The people had to obey God by walking through the Red Sea. They had to walk around by faith around the city of Jericho until those walls fell. Those who don't act by faith but act by fear remain stuck. But when we choose faith over fear, that leads to a future that God wants for us, and He does the miraculous. Now, continuing in our Walking with Giants series, this very next giant The third in this little series we're looking at. This is is our next giant of faith. And this person is tied to the two previous expressions that I just read about. It involves one person in Jericho who's who's experienced God's deliverance in in this journey with their family because they demonstrate faith. Not because they lived rightly. There's the twist. Not because they lived rightly, but because they demonstrated faith. That person's name was Rahab. Rahab. Now look with me, verse 31, about what it says. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Or in other translations, those who were unbelieving. Rahab. See, like every other person in the Walking with Giants series, in this Hebrews 11 uh, portraits of faith, these giants of faith, there is more to the story than what's included in Hebrews 11. So I actually want to jump right to it. And if you got a Bible, jump with me to all the way opposite in the Bible, from New Testament to Old Testament to Joshua chapter 2. It's almost like we're moving from one end of the Bible to the other to pick up the story around Rahab and what was going on. We're, we're, we're coming in in Joshua 2 in the sequence of events in the life of Israel where they escaped Israel, or escaped Egypt. They stood at the Jordan. They decided not to go in. They end up wandering for forty years. Everybody of that generation died, so a new generation is prepared to go in, into the Promised Land. And we're and we're picking up this time where Joshua sends out two spies. Two. <laughs> now, if you remember last time, they sent out twelve. How many of those wanted to go in the last time? Two. Joshua's like, we're not doing that again. All we need is two. Two, will know, two people to know what God wants us to do, we're just sending two. And he sends two spies out to check out the land, and specifically Jericho, because it has thick walls. And while they're out spying, they enter into the house of Rahab, which is maybe not a bad place to go because a house of a woman of ill repute may not be a place people ask a lot of questions, maybe not digging around for information. But in this case, somebody was curious. Somebody was at least concerned. And they, they had enough curiosity that they report the arrival of these spies, so that the king of Jericho finds out, sends a representative, sends representatives to Rahab to say, bring out the spies. Now, what she does is she covers for them. She says that they actually have gone, and they've gone off in a different direction. She sends them out the wrong way. Then she helps the spies escape. But here's what I want to look at. I want to look at the exchange, the conversation that Rahab has with these guys on in that moment. And this is Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. That's verse 29 in Hebrews 11, referring to that moment. And, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of, of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in what? Fear. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. People, if you don't understand this as a statement of faith, you're missing it. She's declaring a faith and belief in who God is and not choosing the fear that everybody else around her was choosing. Now, then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. The spies end up agreeing to her request. They make a commitment to her that she would be spared as long as she brought all of her relatives into her house and hung a red cord, a scarlet cord, out from her window. Now she does that. The battle that ensues, the victory that comes out of it, she's spared. Every part of the walls of Jericho fall except for her house. It's, it's a powerful story of what happens, how faith changes everything. Now what's the point though? What's the moral of the story? Because if we're not careful when we look at Scripture, if we don't go deep enough and understand, we can, we can start to pick up pieces that aren't really the point of the story. We can look at Rahab's journey and think that, you know, it's okay to sin. It's okay to lie. It's okay to be engaged in sexual sin. We can mistakenly think that we can do whatever we want now, just as long as we fix it with God in time. None of those are truths that the scripture reveals. The the, the reality of what is happening here in Rahab's world, the truth that we should understand is that no one is too far from the grace of God. That faith changes everything. And even more than that, God works through the faith of flawed people. God works through the faith of flawed people, which includes you and me. You know, as we continue to chase the purposes of God in our cities and region, it will, it's inevitable that we will encounter the flaws of one another. It's inevitable that we're going to bump into one another. And the reality is I'm not perfect. The reality is my team's not perfect. This community is not perfect. It takes work to fight to preserve unity in the community, this community of believers. But as we chase the things of God, I realize that there is a great battle around that the enemy wants to stop the things that God's trying to do in us and one of the ways he can do that is to challenge unity but I understand something I'm not perfect and I have flaws whether you know that or not yet hang around long enough you'll see it but I want to I want to I want to do something that I think is important I want to own how my flaws may have affected you how my action or inaction my words or lack of words things I've changed and not changed how anything I have done or not done if it has created a hurt in your world I want to ask for your forgiveness it's not my intent to do that to hurt I'm not perfect my team's not perfect we as a community believers not perfect we are flawed people but the work that God is calling us to do is far too important for us not to fight for unity and not to fight for truth. And if anywhere along the way, my flaws or shortcomings, my actions or inactions, have created a space for you or someone you know to not be able to lean into unity and love in this family, I want to ask for forgiveness, and I want to invite one-on-one conversation where I can do that personally. I love you. I want nothing but God's favor and future for you. But I also know there's an enemy that seeks to disrupt that because the work God's calling us to is far more important too important for him to ignore and not mess with us the reality is God works through flawed people and as we look back into the story of Rahab the reality of Rahab is that she was flawed we just take a moment to understand who Rahab was and we know that she was a daughter she was a sister she was a woman. She's the only woman listed in the hall of faith. And she's a prostitute. It's like we go from walking with giants to walking with prostitutes. But here's the thing. If you, if you don't understand this already, this whole conversation is about walking with sinful, flawed people who are saved by grace. And how faith changes everything. And for Rahab, man, she was, she was single and perhaps even desperate because in the insurmountable circumstances of her, of her world, she, she was selling herself to anybody who would buy it. However, she doesn't necessarily appear to be a sex slave. It's more rather that like she gauged in life, in this life of her own volition, even though perhaps with tremendous circumstances stacked against her. It could have been out of desperation and care for her family. She may have had other reasons. We don't really know why, but ultimately it doesn't matter why. What we need to understand out of the story of Rahab is that what matters is that she chooses faith, not fear. She chooses to do the right thing by faith, which makes this a story of rescue and redemption by faith. And it's proof that God works through flawed people. So let's go back to her as the one who held faith. And I just want you to think for a moment with me. Why include Rahab in Hebrews 11? (laughs) Why why do that? Why include her story instead of a number of great women of faith in this particular portrait of faith? Why mention a woman of ill repute? Well, again, God works through the faith of flawed people. And for Rahab, she demonstrated her faith in action. She believed in the God who brought his people out of Egypt. And she allowed her faith to be in him. Despite how shocking it may be that a prostitute makes the list. See, one of the challenges for us as a people is we like to scale sins. And say, you know, that's a small sin. That's a big sin. That's a respectable sin. Oh, that's an offensive sin. The reality is we scale sin, God does not. Sin is sin. What we call small and respectable, big or offensive, it's all just sin to God. The ripple and and implications of those sins may vary. The, The implication of murder has a bigger ripple than perhaps the implication or the ripple of a lie. But in God's eyes, they're all sin. There's only one thing he pulls out and separates and that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Everything else is just sin. And as we're all flawed people, all fall in sin and fall short of the glory of God. It's not that surprising that a prostitute would make the list because a prostitute's a flawed person and a flawed person is a person who has faith. When they have faith is someone who God works through. And Rahab was exactly that person. because what Rahab chose to do, in the midst of a world where everybody in her world was choosing fear, everybody was choosing fear in their own bondage to their own life, she chooses faith. She chooses a faith when she hangs out a red crimson uh, cord out her window and she gathers her family in that, she is going from a place of of bondage and a place of of sin and poor choices and and regrets and shame. She is going into a place of faith and brokenness, a brokenness that God can redeem, a brokenness that God will make and turn into beauty as he gives her a future. And he wants to do the same for you. No matter what you've done or where you've been, If you will simply choose faith instead of fear, he'll take that brokenness and turn it into a beauty that gives you a future. That's the power of the story of Rahab. Because here's what happens in Rahab. After the, after the battle of Jericho, Joshua says to the same two spies, he says, go back into the house of the prostitute Rahab, grab everybody who belongs to her and bring them out. And so he sends in the spies. Here's what actually we can keep reading and we look back in Joshua chapter 6. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. They give her a spot. They give her a home. Keep reading with me. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. We keep rolling. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute. There's the tag. There's the label, Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day at the time of that writing. Listen, faith changes things. And that faith always requires courage in the complexity of our world and the decisions and regrets and mistakes and, and flaws. Rahab had heard about the God of Israel and acted in faith instead of fear. She hid the spies, she risked being killed or caught, but she knew that she would need to take a step of faith to get out of her present reality. That if she didn't, she didn't do anything, she would end up dying in Jericho, but she didn't want to die in Jericho, and she knew if she just sat around embracing fear and the bondage of her lifestyle, she would die. So she made the conscious decision to act in faith on what she heard about God, and that changed everything. So here's a practical truth as we're continuing in the conversation. Our flaws position us to lose. Our mistakes, our poor choices, they position us to lose. They position us in in being stuck in regret and shame and circumstances where we see no hope. Our flaws position us to lose, but God positions us to choose. We don't have to choose fear. We can choose faith. We can step into a place of brokenness where he begins to redeem. Faith decides which path we step on. Our mistakes, our poor choices, man, our difficult circumstances, they're very real and they can influence our future and they can leave us in bondage or we can ask God to do that. In Rahab's choices to this point, there was not a trajectory of success for her. It was not a trajectory of greatness, but all it took was one moment of faith. And all it takes for you today is one moment in action of faith for God to do a new thing. Look, every time I fail, every time I stumble, every time I choose poorly, I'm tempted to think that God can't or won't use me again. I hear the words in my head, who do you think you are to think that you can? You're not good enough. You messed up. And fear begins to grip me but faith frees me. And when I choose faith in the God who redeems and restores, that's all it takes. Just a moment of faith to change the trajectory of a life can change your life. Choosing faith over fear. No matter what you've done, where you've been, how much regret or shame you carry, because this is ultimately not about us, It's not about us and what we've done or where we've been. It's ultimately about who he is and what he has done. And faith in him gives us a future. Faith in him allows the brokenness of our past to be made into something beautiful. When we choose to put our faith in him. Because God positions us to choose. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 it says this, that God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. The act of faith allows us to receive the gift from God. And we're a church, we believe it's okay to not be okay. There, there is no condemnation for flaws and mistakes that, for us as a church family. It's just not okay to stay stuck there because we know you can be free. The certainty of that is not in us, it's in God. And it's in who He is. Oswald Chambers said this very aptly, he said, Faith that is sure of itself is not faith, but faith that is sure of God is the only faith that there is. For Rahab, her future was that she put her faith in God, not in herself. She put her faith in the one she'd heard about. She believed what she had heard about him. And we don't know why Rahab made the earlier decisions in her life, and it really doesn't matter. The beauty of the story isn't in her failure, it's in her redemption. By faith. It's in the courage and grace and forgiveness. It's in the reality of God giving the gift of grace and using flawed people to accomplish his purpose. And that should give you and I hope, because we're all flawed. And we often, though, try to identify ourselves with heroes and heroic actions and and, and miss how we can identify with their flaws, because we're all flawed. We all need to be rescued. And every human story is marked by failure, marked by mistakes and broken promises and We all fail again and again. Romans 3.23 tells us we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the common denominator for us all. Sin is our point of commonality. We may try to position ourselves ahead of others and say it's not as bad as their sin, but again, God doesn't scale sin. Sin is sin. And the only way out of the bondage is through Jesus Christ. He sets us free. He takes the brokenness and he turns it into something beautiful by faith. See, God sees us all the same. Broken but beautiful. Lost but loved. Sinful but made for more. And we have a choice to choose faith or choose fear. When we choose fear, we run from the very thing that can set us free. When we choose faith, then the power of God by His Spirit can be at work in us redeeming the things that are broken in our lives. He's the one who rescues and redeems. You know, Rahab's story is is not just a rescue, it was a surrender. And Jeremiah talked about that a bit last week, just about the reality of surrender. The outcome required action, required faith in practice, faith beyond knowledge, where she laid down her her life, trusting and believing and obeying. She risked her own well-being to help those spies and to believe in God. And it wasn't just head knowledge. And that's an important distinction because if we read in James chapter 2, we can read this in verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and it was and he was called God's friend. That's really important. But we jump a verse down into the story of Rahab. It says, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies? What she, what she did was faith in action. Gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. The reality, my friends, is that faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. Think about it this way with me. What would have happened if Rahab had not acted in faith on what she knew and instead acted in fear of what she didn't know? If she hadn't believed what she heard about God. If she hadn't helped the spies. If she hadn't hung the crimson red cord out her window. She would have died. And all of her loved ones with her. But she acted. She helped them. She she hid them. She hung that cord out her window. And all of Jericho likely knew about the God of Israelites. But only one person acted by faith on that knowledge because she chose faith over fear. And many of us, I think, stop short of obedient faith because because we're wrestling with worthiness. We're wrestling with our past. We're stuck in that bondage. We stop short of acting. We feel we've drifted too far and it's just simply not true. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes that condemn us, but faith changes everything. And God works through the faith of flawed people. So What? Let me just wrap this up fairly quickly. I want to ask a simple question. Where are your choices leading you today? See, remember, remember our, our flaws position us to lose, but God positions us to choose. Where are your choices leading you today? We all mess up. We've all made mistakes that condemn us to separation from God. That really, we're, we're living on the edge of society. You realize Rahab lived on the edge of society morally and physically. She was on the wall of Jericho. And she was morally on the outskirts of that as well. And and we can find ourselves on the edge in life, emotionally, spiritually, even morally, relationally. But it is by grace that we receive by faith. It is by grace that God includes us through faith. He saves us. It's the crimson marker of the blood of Jesus hanging out the window of our lives that makes all the difference, that leads to acceptance. Romans 3, tells us that we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus, our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for anyone who believes, no matter who we are, no matter if you're a prostitute, no matter if you're a liar, no matter if you're a cheat or a thief, no matter who we are in our flaws, By faith in Jesus Christ, we have a future, one marked by beauty as God redeems our brokenness. God always works through the act of faith of flawed people. He sees what can be, and our choice is either to run in fear or to lean in by faith and let Him do the miraculous. No matter where you stand in life, regardless of where you are or who you are, a simple next step of faith in Jesus can turn your destiny around. Just like Rahab. Choosing faith leads to a future instead of fear. By saying, I've heard of this God, I believe in this God, I trust this God, I lay down my life for his purpose. Mark me in red, cover me in crimson wash me clean. You can do that today, right now. And that tumultuous, insurmountable space of bondage and fear can be removed. And God can take that brokenness and lead it to beauty. The back of the note guide are some simple steps to begin to walk with God through Jesus. It's a prayer there, too, that you can pray, where you invite Him to, to do exactly what I said. Laying down your life, trusting in him, asking him to mark you in red. You know, Rahab's story doesn't end with just a place to camp. We actually find Rahab in another part of scripture. And this time without the tag of prostitute, without the label of sinner. We find it in Matthew chapter one, because what ends up happening with Rahab, she marries a guy named Salmon. And, and, and she and Solomon have a kid named Boaz. And Boaz marries Ruth. And, and Boaz and Ruth have a kid named Obed. Obed has a kid named Jesse. And Jesse has a kid named David. King David. And Rahab finds herself in the lineage of Jesus Christ. He takes brokenness and he makes beauty and he gives a future. When we choose faith and not fear. Her faith, the faith of a flawed person, brought her into an amazing heritage, a lasting legacy from a prostitute to being in the family tree of Jesus. That's what this thing called faith can do. Faith truly changes everything. It can be the same for you. I want to invite you and leave you in a space, and I want to read a scripture. Because I realize some of you are living in fear right now. Some of you are living in the bondage of sin. Some of you are in the throes of that, and you're marked by shame because of the sins of your past. But God wants to work through you and bring beauty from ashes and give you a future. The passage is Psalm 34, and it's over here, it's going to be on the screen here, but I'm going to actually walk over here and read it as I look at this easel. Because it says this, I sought the Lord by faith. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. Choosing faith over fear leads to beauty in a future. And God uses unlikely people to do extraordinary things, things disproportionate to who they are or where they've been, but that's the beauty of what God does by faith. Where are your choices leading you today? You've got a choice, and it matters now and into the future. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, in the midst of the world and dynamic that we live in, where this is a tough place to live, Lord. The sinfulness and flaws of others can impact us tremendously. Our own sinfulness and flaws can just drag us into a place of fear and bondage. But God, I am so grateful that you are slow to anger, abounding in love. That you that you willingly overflow with grace and forgiveness through your son, Jesus. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters gathered here today if those struggling in the throes of that bondage, they're stuck, those caught in fear, those struggling with shame and regret, God, may you help them choose faith in a new way, their trust in you, maybe for the first time, maybe in a recommitment, but Lord, may you then take the brokenness of the journey and move it to beauty as you give them a future. It blows my mind, God, that you chose to give Rahab the journey she had into the lineage of your son you redeem father you make all things new but it's by faith so may you find us to be a people who choose a faith in jesus christ a trust in you a surrender to your purpose so that you can accomplish more than we could ever ask or imagine help us to choose today lord your next steps i love you i pray all of this in the name of jesus and everybody said amen Amen.